My name is Ben and welcome to Field and Foley episode 21. Our guest today is Aaron Ben Isaac. With over 12 years of experience as a professional production sound mixer, Aaron's expertise has graced numerous films and TV productions, documentaries and commercials. Now based in Brussels, Belgium, his influence spans both local and international projects. Aaron's natural environment is the film set, where he captures the sonic essence of every moment, skillfully recording and mixing sound to bring each scene to life. So join us as we dive into this journey, the intricacies of production sound mixing and the global experiences that has shaped his unique approach. So, uh, hi, and welcome to the show, Aaron. Hey, Ben. Thanks for having me. So, right off the bat, I'd like to um, give the listeners a bit of explaining about what your role is, because there are so many fields in, in the audio, in the wider audio field, and um, so could you maybe briefly explain what a production sound mixer does? Sure. As the name of the profession uh, implies uh, what we do, what I do, I go on film sets or TV sets as a part of a crew uh, with the cameraman and all the people around. And my job is to record the dialogue. That's my main mission. Okay, and uh, is it only the dialogue or also like environmental sounds and like soundscapes for later on? So basically the dialogue is the main mission because ambient sound and follies can be created in post, but it's very difficult to um, record the dialogue all over again. So absolutely dialogue is the main mission but of course i get also uh, wild sounds and uh, special atmosph atmospheres if we are on special locations yeah that makes sense because i'm i'm thinking maybe some of those locations can't easily be recreated either right i mean uh, depending on um, especially for documentaries if you're in a special place that might be might be interesting and uh, yeah, how did you get started in this field um, of production sound mixing? Was it always your goal to, to do that exactly? Or is it something that just came naturally? Uh, actually, well, I studied uh, sound engineering about uh, 15 years ago. And my goal was to be a um, sound designer. But uh, as time went by, I realized that I don't really like to sit by myself in a dark room. Uh, in front of the computer. I prefer to be outside with people and to get new experiences. So uh, as a student, uh, next to my um, sound school, there was a film school and I had many friends from there. So I helped them with their um, student movies. And when I finished my studies, I uh, hung some um, posters on other film schools calling directors to work with me. Mm -hmm. back, back then, Facebook wasn't that popular, so I had to go there and list my name on the billboard. And yeah, slowly, slowly, the students that uh, I worked with got into the industry and the projects that they took uh, got bigger and bigger. 
um, and more interesting. That's awesome. So you, you grew with them, so to say. Sort of, yeah. You know, after a while, I also find myself doing uh, projects with people that are uh, way more time than me in the industry. Yeah, so it goes. <laughs> yeah, and um, can you maybe describe your typical workflow on a film set and what's, what's like the first thing you do? Um, do you maybe check where the best spot would be to record or what kind of mic you use or what, what is like your, your process when you're starting? On a, on a fresh day? First of all, I would try to find the, the big sound issues uh, on location and try to eliminate them. Let's say uh, if I get in uh, a location and there is a huge fan working and creating a lot of noise, first of all, I just find a way to make it stop. So <laughs> alongside with the Uh, producer. We just try to find ways to eliminate all the big sound issues and mm -hmm. if we can't, we're thinking of the option to find a different location. <laughs> so after that I set up my gear. If it's a documentary shoot then it doesn't take long. Uh, on narrative shoot I have my cart and it takes a bit longer but uh, Yeah, after I get to know the location, I set up my gear. If uh, I work with a boom operator, uh, we discuss the scene and what would be the best way to approach it. And then I need to um, love my uh, talents, uh, sync timecode to the cameras, give IFBs to director or uh, any other people that need to hear sound. And yeah, then we're good to go. Yeah, that's you, you just mentioned that like for a narrative shoot, you have your whole card and it's a bit more complex. So for documentaries, most of the time is like, is it like less people or, or why is it different and, and more easily to set up for documentaries than for narrative movies? In narrative movies, normally uh, you reach a location and you just sit there for most of the day. So you don't need to be light. Uh, when it comes to documentary, normally when it comes to sound, it's a one-man show. Mm -hmm. uh, there's no boom operator, it's only me. So I have my uh, mixer bag. I try to keep it as light as possible. It would be on me most of the day. I, I use a harness to carry everything. So everything is much lighter and faster mm -hmm. and mobile. So yeah. it, it takes less time to set up. I see, I see. Being flexible and, and fast to change scenes, that makes sense. Um, just like me. I'm also all out on, on my own most of the times and it's like everything can fit on me and I can pack up and move somewhere else very quickly. Mm. Um, that's the best way of doing it. And um, yeah, you mentioned also like that sometimes there's big fans or other noises. So those are those like the main challenges like having something very noisy um that you try to either yeah shut down or move somewhere else or do you have any other challenge that, that might be not that obvious maybe that you have to deal with well every location is different but uh, basically the real world will always get in the way between me <laughs> and getting clean recordings so yeah basically i eliminate in advance uh whatever i can I unplug the fridge or turn off computers 
or any other machine that can uh, generate sound. Also, it's all about communication with the people in the area, especially when it's mm. a documentary shoot. Uh, people are not used to be on set, so I need to approach them very nicely and tell them that they need to be quiet <laughs> and, and don't talk or do anything while uh, we're rolling. All phones must be silent, also without a vibration, which is very important because you can really hear the vibration where, when everything is so quiet all around. And then there's also sound issues that um, occur during takes, like a dog can bark or a, a, a car can pass by or uh, airplanes are the worst enemies of the <laughs> sound recordist. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so we definitely need to ask for another take. If it was a good take and it was ruined by sound issues, uh, it's definitely uh, the time to ask for another take. Also, the costumes can be uh, problematic sometimes uh, because some fabrics generate a lot of noise. So it can be very bad for laughs, um, also for the boom sometimes. Some costumes uh, may be uh, challenging uh, for hiding mics. Um, one time I had a commercial for uh, bikinis. So I had like uh, <laughs> 10 girls wearing bikinis and I had to uh, love all of them. So okay, so how, <laughs> how, did you, how did you do that? Like, uh, where did you hide them? Uh, in the bikini. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of yeah, course. It was very challenging, course, but yeah. uh, everything is doable. And if it's impossible, uh, you just do it with a boom. But mm. the, the angle of the, the shoot is also uh, very uh, helpful sometimes because uh, if you take someone's profile, you can just wire the mic from the other side. Hmm. Yeah, so you try, you hide it, to hide it from sight, right? Yeah, maybe also uh, on that point, you you just talked about that that sometimes it's, it's difficult to find that right position. Um, like, how do you choose those? I mean, you you just said like trying to hide them from sight. Um, do you have any other tips? Maybe any techniques to hide them or um, to make them less noisy? Any gear? Any I don't know. You use this one thing and that helps every time. Well, basically. The main tools that I use as a production sound mixer are uh, the wireless microphones, the lavaliers, and the boom. Mm. Um, there are other options like PZM microphone that uh, sometimes is being used, but not really. It's mostly the boom and the labs. So with the labs, of course, it always depends on what the talent is wearing. Hmm. The best positioning, in my opinion, is around the chest or also um, on the head. If the talent is wearing a hat, it's possible to mic uh, around the forehead. Also, it depends which mic uh, you're using. There are different types of labs. Um, I'm a fan of DPA microphones. Hmm. So I find that the... 4061 is the better, the best sounding microphone, uh, and it's ideal around the chest. 
the 6061 is better um, around the neck, so um, I use it a lot uh, when I have uh, problematic outfits. And for the boom, it depends on the frame. It would be ideal uh, from the top, but uh, let's say it's a very um, noisy environment and the frame is not that wide. I can also come from below uh, mm. and, and that eliminates a little bit of the environmental sound. Yeah, that makes sense. So then you have like uh, multiple mics with you and choose it depending on the spot. I mean, if you have enough space in your bag. <laughs> mm, absolutely. That's good. Always be prepared. <laughs> and um, yeah, when you're then on the set, and um, how is like your collaboration with the, the other members of the film crew? So like the director and other people, is it like something you, you scouted before and then you talk with them about how the shoot will look and how where you can hide your mics? Or is it just like a, a very fluent, like when a problem arises, you speak it up? Or is there a lot of planning beforehand? Well... On an ideal world, um, I would come to location scouts, but that almost never happens, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah. So I arrive on set and, and start to find my way around it. Mm. Basically, the thing about sound on film sets is that uh, sound is a lone department. All the other departments, they take care of the frame on, on the visual, on what you see. And many times um, people don't really understand the, the sound issues or don't think about them. Hmm. Uh, so it's my job to bring that up uh, as much as I can. And of course, I need to be friendly. I need to be <laughs> friends with the director and... Uh, the DOP, and I need to make them understand that um, the sound issues are also their problems, even though they don't hear them or feel them. Um, yeah. They will have to handle with it in post, so we need to eliminate and fix as much as we can right here on set. So yeah, before every scene, uh, I always need to give my inputs and... And to talk about it, just to bring up all the sound issues and suggest how to deal with them. Yeah, so a lot of social skills. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, that yes. Makes sense. Yeah. I, I also realized that like very early on, um, when I was younger, we, we made like a short movie. And um, when you're so fixated on, on the visuals and lighting, and just like I said, like there are many departments there. Like you have lighting, you have costumes, you have all that stuff. But when you're so like fixated on the visuals, you almost tune out the sound. So that's uh, when a friend of mine suggested to do the sound and just do the sound. And many times when he said like, ah, we have to do it again, like a car passed by, I didn't even hear it because we were also fixated on like the visual aspect of it. So yeah, it would be maybe ideal if people have... At least an idea that that happens, that kind of tunnel vision, right? I would never argue, argue with anyone. I mean, if the director wants to move on, we can move on. But I just, sure. it's important for me to let them know that there was an issue and they need to consider that mm -hmm. um, yeah. and, and to know that. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they also need, like, need to know what that means later on in post, just like you said. Um, yeah, maybe going onto the onto the post a bit. Like, what is like your experience with like the sound design in post? Um, 
I'm I'm guessing it's like a, especially for narrative movies, it's like a, a integral part of it. Um, I've already had a, a couple of sound designers on the podcast, but I'm especially interested in like documentaries. Is it something where it's like, um, as you said, like you're primarily there for the dialogue, but you're probably also recording some ambiences there that you will then deliver to the crew. Um, but how much of the sounds you hear in documentaries then are like added on later on? It's a good question. Uh, I'm not a sound designer, so I can't give you a, an accurate answer. But mm. um, generally speaking, um, on documentaries, the sound is much more um, rough than in narrative films. In narrative mm. films, everything needs to be crystal clear. And when it comes to documentaries, um, we embrace the fact that uh, we're shooting in the real world and we, we let the sound problems be a part of the, of the scene. Yeah. But basically, the most important mission is to get the dialogue. And then if there was a very special ambient sound, I, I would definitely uh, record it again separately. But I, I think also in post, they can add some uh, interesting sounds and emphasize the, um, the emotions that the viewer is supposed to feel while watching the scene. Yeah, I would have guessed like then if you watch something after you shot it, you might be um, like, oh, that that didn't sound like that at all, or wow, that sounds even better than I had it in mind, or something like that. So. Oh, I, that's definitely right. <laughs> Sometimes I'm getting very dramatic in my head. Um, I feel that the sound is terrible and it's a disaster, and then when I m watch the movie, it's actually. It sounds pretty good, so yeah. <laughs> that's good. So e either they fixed it in post, or you were like, you were like too critical of yourself. <laughs> I think, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely too critical of myself. Yeah, I know that feeling. I mean, I also talked about that with another guest about like how we try to get rid of the noise, but at some point we, if we get rid of all the noise and all the distractions, we get a really clean and yeah, almost lifeless sound. So like the balance is always is always hard to mm -hmm. to get right. Yeah, maybe um, for new people that want to go in that direction of um, being a production sound mixer, do you have any like advice for people starting out there, uh, where to look for w what this yeah what this route can entail? Well, I think uh, there are two um, main points that are super important. First of all, always stay professional. Know what you're doing. Never stop learning. There's always something new to learn and uh, when you're on set, uh, sometimes it can get very stressful. Don't panic, be professional, do your job as fast as possible and the best that you can. And the second thing is, um, is all about your vibe. Always be friendly, always be kind. I think people want to work with nice people. And if you're nice and kind, that will get you the next gig. Mm. Yeah, I agree with that. Like it's it's most of the time it's it's about being a team player and not about the the person with the most skills. Because if they're horrible to work with, then you don't want to hire them. Exactly. Um, yeah. 
Um, yeah, and maybe also for like equipment, if you're like starting out, I'm guessing, especially for, like I said, like for small productions, your one-man sound team. So um, what would you say, like what types of equipment are essential? Um, yeah, of course, lavalier mics and maybe a good recorder, anything else that might not be that obvious, maybe? Well, first of all, the, the heart of the gear is the recorder. It must be a good one. Uh, I see some uh, mixers work with really shitty equipment <laughs> and it hurts me, you know, I, I, I can't, I can't understand like, uh, why. I mean, I know it's cheaper hmm. to get some uh, recorders, but I don't know. In my opinion, you need to have a good recorder and good microphones if you want to have a good sound so yeah definitely good recorder good wireless systems mm. also i see some people that work with a very cheap wireless systems and that always can cause problems i think electrosonics wizicom or zaxcom are the way to go if you buy cheaper wireless systems it, it will always give you trouble and microphones, yeah, of course, you must have good microphones, good lavaliers, good uh, gun mics, uh, good condensers. Yeah, but basically you don't need much. You need a good recorder, three or four uh, wireless microphones, uh, a boom, um, two or three IFB systems. IFB uh, are the headphones that you give the director or... Uh, producer anyone else that needs to hear sound uh and of course time code is essential yeah so you, you mentioned like the the ifb system so that means like you can give the director a mic uh, um, headphone as well and they can hear what you hear while they're shooting right they wouldn't hear exactly what i hear i just let them hear the mix okay nice so you you get the full experience <laughs> I get the full experience. Uh, it's very important for me that they will have the dialogue in their ears. So mm. uh, it helps them to to get more focused on what's happening. Yeah, that makes sense. That's very cool to hear, yeah. I'm, I'm guessing for people that are not in the sound um, sphere, that's interesting to hear all that because I'm... I'm feeling that we have not a lot of information about all those behind-the-scenes stuff because every time I see movie behind-the-scenes, sound is mostly very, very low on the list or isn't mentioned at all. I mean, you see people with boom mics um, walking around, but like all those intricacies that you have, like uh, yeah, a set of headphones and you are responsible for mixing something the director hears. That's um, set, um, yeah, especially to me, that's something that's very interesting. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, going a bit more into the, the recording side of things. Um, can you speak a bit about like the difference of recording indoor versus outdoor scenes? I mean, one thing that's very obvious for me is, of course, when you're outdoor, you most of the time have some kind of wind, so you probably have wind protection. But maybe something else that I might not know about. That's interesting. Well, first of all, that's very important. Uh, outside, uh, there is wind, so you definitely need... Uh, a good wind protection uh, so for that we use uh, the blimp and the fur when there's a uh, high wind the uh, dead cat yeah <laughs> the dead cat yeah um, 
I'm a cat lover, so I don't like mm -hmm. this term. Yeah, <laughs> I it's, just it's always it. very weird to me as well. <laughs> just yeah. call it the fur. <laughs> the fur, okay, good. Um, and of course, uh, the type of the microphone is also very important. Um, so outside we use uh, gun mics, so they have a very narrow pattern, so they will get uh, more uh, direct sound. We're trying to get uh, good, clean dialogue and less of the environment sound. Mm -hmm. So uh, gun mics are pretty good for that mission. But when it comes to interiors, it wouldn't be a good idea to use gun mics because each room has its own reverb. And gun mics don't get along very well with uh, reverb. So for, um, for interior, uh, recordings, I prefer to use uh, super cardioid microphones. My favorite is uh, Sennheiser MKH-50. Of course, there are other wonderful microphones for that, but uh, that is my go-to microphone. I also use blankets sometimes, uh, yeah. sound blankets, to reduce a little bit of the reverb of the room. Oh, nice. I didn't, I didn't expect that. That's interesting. So you have blankets in your back. <laughs> no, but uh, on, on narrative productions or if I know that uh, there's going to be a problematic location, I ask mm. the production to get me some blankets. Uh, cool. Yeah, so how do you approach uh, mixing sound for documentary compared to a narrative film? First of all, um, in narrative films, uh, the boom is the king. Uh, it's the main mic and would take most of my focus. Um, I do use uh, lavalier microphones, of course, but but we do want to get the the warm, natural sound of the of the boom. In documentaries, we use mostly labs. Uh, the boom is there. If one of the labs fail or if someone unexpected enters the situation but um but i try to avoid the boom and to be uh, a bit more far from the situation so things can happen more uh, naturally so also as a person uh in documentary my goal is not to be felt so talents can feel as comfortable as possible and open up and you will probably won't see me talk too much uh, when I'm on a documentary set. But in narrative sets, I must be very charismatic and take care uh, for what is best for my department. So mm. you will see me uh, talk a lot, walking around, discussing with everyone, because everything must be perfect. Unlike a documentary that mistakes are very acceptable. Uh, mm. warmly acceptable even <laughs> yeah that makes sense yeah and um also then when you're when you've done like recording and um, delivering something um how's your collaboration between the other parts of the sound department especially in bigger productions is it just like you you deliver your product and then that's it or do you have like back and forth do they ask you maybe for something else or is it just a very like dis disconnected kind of working mode unfortunately where i come from there is no connection between the production team and the post-production team. I never discuss with the sound designer. 
hopefully now in my uh, new city, in my new location, it would be a bit different, but uh, I don't know yet. That would be great. <laughs> I feel like collaboration is the way to go for everything. But yeah, um, I expected so much. So it's like you're, you're trying to do the best job you can recording and give them the material to work with. And uh, yeah, then that's it. Actually, so. um, when I finished my studies, um, I was working for six months in a post studio. And I was looking at it as a stage. I really tried to understand what the sound designers, uh, what they want, what they don't want, what gets mm. them angry, what makes them happy. And I think it gave me a good idea how to work on field, what to deliver and what mm. not to waste my time on. I try to do my best to go with my understanding of things and I haven't heard complaints yet. So I <laughs> suppose I'm doing a fine job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm guessing also. Yeah, that's very interesting. What role does ambient sound play in, in creating a realistic audio environment for film? I mean, especially, I'm guessing, for documentaries that might be, uh, as we already touched about, like certain areas mm -hmm. that might be important to have those, those kinds of sounds from those areas. Well, basically, the ambient is the sound of the world that we are in. Um, without it, everything feels so thin and not convincing so i think in general in in cinema and especially in documentaries um there is a, a need to to feel the ambient of the location uh it really helps the viewer to to be sucked into the scene and and feel what the uh, talents feel mm. Yeah, maybe um, going back on all the projects you did already, is there something, some particular kind of project that you're like pr particularly proud of and, um, yeah, or it was very challenging? Maybe you can share some stories from your past projects. About five years ago, um, an American Christian rock band came to Israel and <laughs> okay. they wanted to film themselves uh, performing in different locations important locations for uh, Christianity. Mm -hmm. So they had two acoustic guitars, uh, three vocalists and a keyboard. And I decided to go wireless on everything um, because we were outside in nature and uh, I couldn't get a lot of gear with me. So I decided to go wireless and it was challenging and The locations were very different from one another. They wanted to uh, record uh, one of the songs in the huge uh, chapel with crazy mm. reverb. Mm. So I, I used some studio techniques, a deca tree, and I placed some microphones all around to get the natural reverb of the location. One song was recorded on a boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. <laughs> uh, and and it was was filmed during sunrise, so we had only one take to to do it right. Um, oh wow! But yeah, it was very successful. I was very happy about about the results. <laughs> it was a That lot of fun, a, a lot of challenges all the time. Everything was changing. Yeah, yeah, it was a great experience. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Maybe if you can share the the link, we'll put it in the show notes because I, I I'd certainly like to watch it, um, especially like seeing the the one take uh, of the sunrise. That might have been like oh, that's already stressful when I'm thinking about it. Like, okay, you don't only have the one chance to get it right. Yeah, one chance per day. Who? And uh, yeah, maybe also on documentary work. Um, anything that stood out to you? Anything where you like particularly proud of, or that was very challenging to do? Well, documentary in general is amazing um documentaries took me to places i, I was um, recording an interview with an astronaut at the european space agency oh that's nice um i was working on a musical documentary in malawi in africa i was working on a food documentary in the us so yeah documentary always takes me to places to see uh, new cultures, new countries, new cities. There are always interesting stories, interesting topics. It, it's amazing. Technically, it's, uh, it's sometimes less challenging than narrative, but uh, the content and the experience is always great. That all sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then maybe uh, one question I always like to ask all of my guests is um, what is the first sound you ever recorded and why did you record it? That's going to be interesting. The first sound I ever recorded? Uh, professionally or...? <laughs> Doesn't matter. I mean, whatever you can remember. It's, it's, it's a question aimed to like get you to think and then maybe some nice stories pop up. Well, I think the first sound I recorded was uh, using a microphone. Uh, was as a student. Uh, I'm trying to think of my first assignment. I think we were supposed to to record kitchen stuff uh, <laughs> and then create some music with, with all the recordings. So I suppose the first sound I was recording was a uh, fork hitting uh, glass or something. <laughs> Probably yeah, that's something like that. Kitchen beats, okay. Exactly, the kitchen beats. <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing a lot of sound designers have done that, like recording stuff and then like, oh, that could be a, like a kind of rhythm. Let, let me make a beat out of that. Ah, uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and like, how did you first yeah, get this, like this, I would say like passion for sound in general? Because like you said, like on the film set, there are many people that are, that are on the visual side of things and uh, we sound people are on the, on the audio sound and it's like a different, yeah, it's a different sense and it's a different world. So how did it start for you, this passion for, for sound? Well, as I said before, as a student, uh, I had many friends that were uh, studying cinema and they were always looking for someone to record their little movies. So I always volunteered uh, just to help my friends. Mm. And... And it was, it was nice. I had fun and, and it was easy. And when I told people that it's so easy, they, they didn't understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> For them, it's like, it's super <laughs> difficult. They can't understand it. So yeah. then I realized that I have uh, some kind of a talent for this specific thing. So I just kept doing it, you know? It was easy. It was fun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it gave me... Um, money in the end so <laughs> kept doing it until until today that's cool yeah it came easy and it, it give gave you money so that's a perfect combination yeah i'm not saying that it is easy but uh, i yeah, suppose course, they yeah. have uh, yeah. some kind of talent of uh the understanding of 
how to record uh, good, healthy sounds. Yeah. I think it's maybe what we are what we are most comfortable with with our senses because I, I also talk to people that have this visual thing, um, like for example, visual artists that do special effects or something that have like when they see, I don't know, an explosion or something, they always already think in like layers and how to light this and how to recreate this in, in special effects. And for me, it's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And they're like, oh, that's very easy. It's like I have I have a clear picture of what or how to achieve this. Um, but for me, it's like the same with sound, of course. It's like, oh, I can I can use this prop to make this sound. And they're like, what are you talking about? I have no idea. <laughs> but mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, it's probably what you're like, what your sense uh, your sense that you're most comfortable with working, probably. True. Yeah, I, I also must say that uh, if you give me a camera, I I wouldn't know what to do with it. I mean, I can yeah. set up the audio and I can sync time code, <laughs> but other than that, I, I can do nothing. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, syncing time code is already the thing that you... If you can do that, then you can at least work with the other people. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like setting up camera angles as well. Uh, it's, it's something that's... I can... I can see when when a when an image looks good and I have a somewhat I would say okay eye for like doing some photos or something but especially lighting and and the different angles and stuff like that is like, yeah that's that's not my kind of thing but I must um, say that for sound it's uh, it's very important to understand uh frame mm. and also to try and see how they will edit uh, all the frames in the end. Um, mm. It helps a lot for uh, understanding how to get the best sound uh, when not to make a, an incredible effort to get the best sound. Uh, I mean, if you have an extreme long shot and you can never use the boom to get the audio, but mm. you know that after that you have two close-ups so understanding that also helps you to to release a little bit and not be stressed about getting the perfect sound all the time when you know mm. that uh, they can get the good sound from other angles. Yeah, all oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, can you talk a bit about like the first documentary you ever did or like the first movie set you were on? Like what was your like experience? Like what was your feeling? What was your, your fears? Of course, your fear were probably like, oh, I'm going to botch the sound. <laughs> Hopefully everything goes well. It was such a long time ago. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was a student, that's for sure. So I remember my first time on set. It was a uh, 48 project. Mm. So do you, do you know this project? Uh, it, it happens every year in many countries around the world. Um, normally, film students do that. Uh, everybody uh, gather in in a room, and then uh, the project gives you um, a genre, and you just need to go and create a movie in forty-eight hours. Mm. Okay, uh, like a game jam, but for movies. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so we got uh, a musical, uh, nice. me, me and my crew, and yeah, we just uh, brought some songs uh, with the actors, and uh, it, it, it's a terrible movie, basically, but <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. was written, shot, and edited in 48 hours. Um, yeah. 
but uh, but it was a fun experience also i think that's when i fell in love with uh, making cinema it was my first time on set and it was so much fun that's awesome yeah um, i'm guessing it's a it's a great learning experience and um, we have the same thing in, in like the video game industry where it's these game jams that, that are usually um, either 24 hours which are like the really hard ones or like over a weekend or something and um that really makes you think about what is the most effective thing I can do in that short amount of time to get something. So you get you get really creative at yeah getting solutions fast. So I'm guessing for you it was was the same. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you learn a lot. I mean, you learn what doesn't work very quickly. <laughs> that's that's awesome. I didn't know that this existed for movies as well. That's very cool. Oh yeah, it's there. It's going for a very long time. Uh, probably even this year, uh, it will happen again. That's uh, awesome. I think they also have it in Germany, probably. Yeah, most definitely. Probably, yeah. yeah. As I'm as I'm more like in the video games, I'm I I don't have like the connections to those like kind of people, but it's um yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, and um, maybe also talking a bit uh, if you're comfortable with about like you're moving to to Brussels now. I'm you you're originally you're from Tel Aviv, right? Right. So I'm guessing um, you left there for personal reasons, if. That's what I'm guessing. Um, yeah, my uh, my wife grew up in Brussels, uh, and her family is still here. And um, we're talking for a long while about uh, relocating to Europe, mm. uh, and we decided that uh, now is the time. We got here yeah. about two months ago. Um, so now I'm here. Uh, I haven't done any uh, work yet. Uh, I suppose that would be my biggest challenge to rebuild a network. Um, mm. In Israel, I know everyone. Everyone yeah. knows me. So uh, it's, uh, it's pretty easy to, to find uh, jobs. Uh, and now I'm here in a, in a new place, so I hope that uh, things will get uh, rolling soon and I'll start uh, uh, work again because I truly miss the, the film set. Yeah, I can imagine. And so you're looking again for the same thing you did before, like uh, documentaries, narrative movies. Absolutely. Um, yeah, film sets of all, of all thoughts. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I will try to reach out to people I know. <laughs> ah, that would um, be lovely. Thank you. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I'll try my best. I think that was all of my questions. So the only thing left is, do you have any shout outs, any maybe upcoming projects or, um, yeah, you're looking for a job right now. So <laughs> that is also a good shout out. So feel free. The stage is yours. Yeah. Well, basically being a freelance, uh, means, uh, to constantly, uh, seeking for a job. But um, I'm here in Belgium. I'm new. I'm good. <laughs> I don't speak French yet. I'm <laughs> I'm learning slowly, slowly. But um, yeah, if someone from Belgium is hearing that, let's work together. It will be fun. Awesome. Yeah, then thanks again for being on the show and for sharing your insights. And I uh, hope you have a lovely day. Yeah, thanks for having me. Have a great day.
Looking for more audio-related podcasts to listen to? We're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance, featuring a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. Be sure to hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting on patreon.com slash fieldandfoley or ko-fi.com slash fieldandfoley, where you gain early access to episodes in lossless format and can submit questions for our guests. Thank you for listening.